Hey, hockey moms, check out bluelinehockeyclub.com for all the past and future podcasts. Tonight's podcast is brought to you by... Ever wonder why hockey sticks cost so damn much? What makes them so expensive? The carbon? The tooling? Nope, it's the marketing. Sponsoring those pros, buying advertising, it adds up, and you pay for all of it. So the guys at Arc Hockey started Arc to make state-of-the-art sticks that don't cost a car payment. And while their sticks are handmade of a 100% high-quality carbon fiber in the same factories as the big brands, they are bringing them directly to you from the only place you can find them, arthockey.com. No pros, no middlemen, no endorsement contracts to pay for, just guys like you who love hockey. So check them out at arthockey.com. That's A-R-C-Hockey.com. Hey, welcome back to the Blue Line Hockey Club. Another exciting episode tonight. We have episode 48. We have the usual suspects in the house tonight. We have our producer, Patrick Uncle Lardy Sullivan. What's up, Patrick? Aloha. And our geek, our nerd, our IT guy, our boy, Robbie Pete Peters. What's up, Pete? Hey, how's your mom and them? And the all-around sports guru, the guy that we go to for all of our sports updates, Derek D-Train, he too. What's up, Derek? What's up, sweetos? We know. And your host tonight at the Blue Line Hockey Club, Mark, the Dr. Morley. Go, doctor. Yeah. <laughs> we got a special guest sitting in with us tonight. He's a Canton boy, one of us. He is uh, Ryan DeRocher. Ryan DeRocher is a native Canton boy, and he's now out in Sioux City, coaching as a, an assistant for the Musketeers out there. Hey, Ryan, what's up tonight, man? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, yeah, thanks well, for coming out. Hey. So how's the season going so far? Uh, it's been, no, it's been good. For me, it's, uh, you know, getting back on the bench has been awesome. You know, from a, a win-loss standpoint, uh, we were hot for two months around November, December, and uh, then we lost a few guys to the World Junior A Challenge, which they won gold medal, so that was pretty cool, but uh, our team kind of faltered a little bit over that time period. And, uh, right now we're kind of just trying to dig our way out of it a little bit. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've dropped a little and we're, we're finally starting to get some guys back, but then we, we hit a bit of an injury bug. So, um, yeah, it's just, I mean, the season's so long out here, luckily for us, we've got some time to, to kind of put things back on track. How many games is it, Ryan? Uh, so it's 62 in playoffs. 62 so in playoffs. Pretty, I mean, it's only about. It's like 10 games less than the American League, really. I guess more like 15, but it's a pretty long season. And 60 games is a lot. As the assistant coach there, are you um, are you focused more on the offense or the defense or um, kill or power play, or what's your role there? Uh, more with the forwards. Yeah, I do a lot of our skill development with, with both our DA and forwards. But in-game, I'm um, up front with the forwards and actually help out with both P- PK and PP. More PK is kind of my side of things. I do a lot of our pre-scouts for, for both special teams and then kind of get back with our with our other assistant and we try and nail down uh, what we need to do. So so do you guys have your own video coach there? Do you help out with that? Like, because your experience, your past, uh, you know, few jobs, you were like video coach and director of operations, stuff like that. Do they have you doing any of that kind of stuff or are you more just focused on, you know, being on the bench and coaching practice and that kind of stuff? I actually, to be honest with you guys, I, I hired an intern to kind of do that so I could get a lot of it <laughs> off of my plate. There you go. 
So I love the intern. What's she look like? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I wish that's a fair question, but no. (laughs) It's a a sport management student out here. So it actually, it worked out well. And, uh, you know, we use XO, same as what I used at St. Lawrence. And then with the New Jersey organization, that's what they use. So, uh, you know, we kind of built on what they had here and then, you know this this kid's been uh been nice enough to to do his internship with us so it has to answer your guys question it has taken a lot off my plate as far as you know he captures everything in game and does all of our cut-ups in between periods so that's awesome now what's that like ryan taking a step back from the ahl um going to the ushl like uh i'm assuming you f- you flew a little bit in the ahl you take the bus everywhere now in the ushl or um How's the traveling, I guess, compared to the AHL? So that's a fair question. In bingo, uh, it was nice because most of the, the teams that we played were, you know, Syracuse, Utica, Wilkes-Barre. I mean, even Belleville wasn't really that far. Laval are kind of our far trips. The only time we flew in Binghamton was down to Charlotte, and that was once last year. So the other, you know, I guess we played them twice. So the other you know, 74 games that we had either were at home or we were taking a bus. But luckily it was only, like I said, Max trip was probably, I went to, guess we went to Providence and, but, but nothing crazy. I, I used to tell the guys last year, my travel at St. Lawrence was worse. Because, <laughs> yeah, you know, you go down and play Yale and you get home at like 5 a.m. or you go to Princeton and you get home at 5 a.m. So we, we never got home past like three last year. So that was kind of early for me. I like that, but uh this year's a little different we uh we have the sleeper buses so oh really that's uh, sweet yeah so we uh they're actually seats that just kind of flip down and then you do what you want with them but um we'll leave here you know for a given road trip if we're going to play a team in the east like youngstown we'll probably leave here at 11 o'clock at night and try and show up for breakfast around seven or eight and then get right to the rink and skate and then check into the hotel so for the guys, like, you know, if it's a 13-plus-hour trip or whatever, they'll sleep on the bus and then figure it out that day. But luckily, we, we really don't – we don't we don't actually usually play when we do that. That's why we leave at night. We have, like, a, a practice day the next day. So we'll drive through the night, practice, and then they'll get to actually sleep in the hotel before they before we play the next day. So that part's not too bad. Nice. So, Ryan, we uh... – I actually, um, this is he too. I, I actually coached your brother Trent a little bit on the high school team back in the day. Um, but there's a lot of there's a lot of St. Lawrence County boys that are you know getting big when it comes to the to pro hockey. It's kind of a hotbed here, I guess. But talk about where it, where it all started for you. We know we played at Cortland a little bit too, but talk about your path up to where you're at now. Uh, yeah, basically, you know, played my freshman year uh, at Canton High School. I played with actually Sean Flanagan used to give me give me rides to practice every day. He never left me. So that was nice. I didn't have my license and he had just gotten it. So, you know, we were neighbors growing up and he just drive down the road and grabbed me. So, um, you know, played a year of high school there, Mark Fallon. I know you guys had him on. He was a senior my freshman year. So I played with him. And, um, so I started there. Then I played three years of prep school at the national sports Academy, which is now a, a boutique hotel. If you guys are looking at any, any places to stay at in like class, I heard it's pretty nice. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, visited actually Brian, I visited Brian Parker. He was, uh, when he was there, that's who I stayed with and uh, ended up going there. From there, went on to play, uh, actually with Kyle Flanagan in Cornwall. Uh, I played in the EJ with New Hampshire Monarch. 
and the Boston Bulldogs, and then went went and played four years at Cortland. And then after that, I just kind of knew I wanted to get into coaching right away and uh, started – I had to do my internship in the front office of the Manchester Monarchs, which is a pretty funny story. That summer, I wasn't going to be able to graduate unless I, I took an internship. And, like, you know, who, does, who wants to do an unpaid internship when you're yeah. 24, turning 25 after – you know, that many years of juniors in college, I just kind of wanted to get, you know, start, start, uh, you know, making some money. But anyway, yeah. I got an opportunity to go, it was, I got an opportunity to go work in Manchester. I uh, just, I sold tickets in the front office, which was awful, but learned a lot. <laughs> and, uh, was Mark Morris there? He was the head coach at the time, but our paths crossed rarely because he was on the hockey side and I was one of 20 kids right out of college, whatever, that were selling tickets. So I rarely got to see him, but that part was kind of, I mean, I saw him walk through in his, in his like workout gear every now and again and be like, how do I get on the other side of this wall? Like, why am I? <laughs> get me out of here. Well, they had a... I'm stuck over here. <laughs> so I, uh, one day I was just, this is kind of how I got into the coaching side. I was down there and I wanted to get my master's degree and I wanted to do a grad internship or a grad, grad assistantship. And uh, so my buddy had, a, had applied for the job at Southern New Hampshire University. And long story short, they hired somebody else. The kid backed out. They called my buddy. My buddy's like, sorry, I took the assistant job at Hamilton. Like, I'm not coming out there. And uh, the head coach goes, so do you know anybody else that would be interested? He's like, yeah, actually, I do. And he lives in Manchester, <laughs> New Hampshire, right next to the, to the college. And the head coach is like, all right, give me his number. So I'm sitting down there one day, it's probably like 8.30 in the morning, 9, just depressed. And I, my phone rings. I'm like, perfect. Here's somebody calling me back. Tell me never to call him again about tickets. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I pick up the call and the guy goes, hey, uh, it's Ken Hutchins. I'm like, okay. Like, I'm the head coach at Southern New Hampshire University. Do you, uh, after work today, you want to come to the rink and talk to me? And I'm thinking, like, what is going on? Uh, <laughs> So anyway, I went and I, I had a conversation with him and it was during his men's league, uh, his like, they, they taught the, you know, the, the fourth period there or whatever, but it was during his men's league. And I think he'd, he'd had a couple at that point, but <laughs> he, uh, he pretty much hired me on the spot, got, uh, I spent two years there and it was awesome. Like it was a great experience. We, you know, we won the, the league my second year and that kind of really, you know, springboarded me into knowing that I wanted to kind yeah. of take it as far as I could opposed to just getting a degree. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. So at first I wasn't sure if I was just going to try and steal the free masters out of it or if I wanted to go somewhere with it. And yes. uh, from there, you know, I had a junior team approach me with the New England Wolves in the EHL, went there for a year as the associate head coach. And then that summer in August, I was getting ready to go back. And like throughout this time, I'd been looking for some, you know, division one opportunity as an assistant or just, you know, I wanted to get my foot in the door. Really. Greg Carvel called me in August and was like, Hey, uh, our video coach is leaving. If, you know, I know you want to coach or whatever, but it'd be a good experience for you to come out and, you know, you could learn a lot. And so my car was pretty much packed. I was getting ready to go back to New Hampshire to the wolves and called them. And I said, I, I got to do this. So, Spent two years at SLU after, and uh, one with Greg, and and then one with Mark the following year, and uh, I was able to kind of, you know, meet people through that. And Ray Shiro, being a St. Lawrence alum, was around a lot, and I talked with him. And when the video coach job opened in Binghamton, you know, I I told told Hurls and Mark that I was interested in it, and 
they reached out and you know I went and I interviewed with uh, the head coach there and you know Ray and assistant GM was Tom Fitzgerald there is Tom Fitzgerald and got to go there and spent a year and then I just you know the thing in, in pro and I know you guys like talked to Mark about it too Mark Phelan it's uh you know it's there's times where there's just so much video that there's not as much opportunity to get on the ice as you'd really want. And at times it's, even if you can, it kind of sets you behind with, you know, what you actually have to do for the, for the, the video side of things. So it's a tough that, balance. You know, at sure. the end of the, it is. And then at the end of the year, I was just like, you know, I really want to coach. So, you know, I had some, some college connections to the head coach out here. He had been in the American league and was an assistant at Wisconsin and, uh, you know, they heard that he, he wanted an assistant or was looking for an assistant. So I talked with him and I uh, just knew, you know, I, I knew it was going to be more, I guess, responsibility to a lot of different things other than video. Cause in, I mean, in pro, it's pretty much like your role is your role, you know, yeah. <laughs> cause there's a lot, there's a lot of people to help you out. So it's not, you know, there's three of us. So you gotta, everybody kind of has to help out. Yep. Yeah. And then again, you got a pretty good resume, man. Keep going. I mean, uh, that's a pretty sweet uh, career path you got there. Yeah, I mean, it's. I guess you don't ever really draw it up the way you expect it to be. If someone said you're going to be, you know, like pretty much seven different places over the next year, I guess it's five really, but I would have been like, there's no chance that I'm going to be in Iowa at this time. But, you know, it's. I guess you, you got to take the opportunities that come and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, uh, Who knows? it's you been could be good. I mean, it's been fun. You could be in Alaska here next year. Yeah, I mean, how many people get to experience? <laughs> yeah, Alaska as well. But seven different, different experiences, different cities. You know, that's a unique uh, story in itself, right? Yeah, for sure. I think you know a lot of it. The Eastern stuff was neat, like having played at Cortland and being close to Binghamton was almost like kind of going back, not to college, but I knew that area really well. So this this was honestly the biggest kind of jump for me was. I the only time I I was ever out in the Midwest was recruiting. I went to Dubuque once. I flew out. I drove from Chicago, and I I didn't really know where I was. So, <laughs> what's Iowa now, like? I can't say I've ever been to Iowa before. Me either. I mean, you guys would be kind of surprised. It's it's a lot flatter than home, obviously. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's I mean, it's a lot of good people. You know, it's smaller towns and not really that much different like terrain wise obviously but the people and you know one thing i learned is just people are really passionate about hockey out here i mean i think there's like seven teams in the ushl in iowa alone wow and i think the youth hockey is continuing to grow i mean it's not at a level of some places out east obviously but i mean it's i mean like i said i was surprised there's just there's a lot of a lot of hockey in Iowa, really. Just being close to Minnesota and Wisconsin, too, kind of makes it attractive. So, how how are the fans out there, Ryan, in uh, Sioux City? I know the USHL in general is getting really big. Um, how are the fans in Sioux City? And how about the fans when you travel? Is it are the stadiums pretty packed? Is the USHL um, a pretty good um, filling you know, the seat? Filling the seats, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I would say most of the places that we go to are pretty good. I mean, Fargo does well uh, in our division for sure. Like Fargo, Sioux Falls. I really like Des Moines because it reminds me of like, uh, you know, some of the Canadian rinks that we were close to back home, like the Cornwalls of the world, the Brockdells, those types of rinks. 
they do really well in, in Des Moines. And then Waterloo does well. I mean, there's really only, you know, off the top of my head, like a few places that we've been that I've been like, you know, there, there aren't a ton of fans, but um, a lot of these places, they sell like dollar drafts. So that doesn't hurt. Ooh, <laughs> like <too much>. Wow. <laughs> I was down in Dubuque. There's a Canton boy in Dubuque. JD came out here. Uh, we played them twice at home. Oh, okay. Since they're in the eastern, they're in the east, so we only play them uh, twice a year. Oh, and nice. we we don't go to Dubuque. They came here early on. Um, I believe they were our last two games before we went on Christmas break. And JD looked good. I mean, obviously big and skilled and can skate. All pretty good, pretty good things. So. Attributes, yeah. Yeah, he committed to Maine. He's going to the uh, University of Maine this year. Yeah, I saw that. I mean, he's. I think he's wearing an A for them, and I mean, he plays a ton. So it's uh, like you guys said, it's awesome to see other Canton guys, especially out here. Like I said, Dubuque, Iowa is not very close. So yeah, how's Sioux? Fi- how's Sioux City though? You guys pack them in there. How's your rank? It's pretty good. Uh, the Tyson Event Center like holds concerts and stuff, so it's it's pretty good sized facility probably i want to say like six or seven is what it holds i would say we we get you know anywhere from three or four nice it's so, still pretty good yeah so six, what's the uh the arts isn't getting three thousand what's it like <laughs> 300 so what's it like to uh um bring the team together put a team together i mean as far as like you know the college recruiting aspects like i'm very familiar with that kind of thing but like when you guys are trying to get your team together how does that work so there's a, there's a draft in May. It's actually the first weekend. And you've got uh, phase one, which is basically your underagers, where you can pick, you know, your futures. Like your, I think this year will probably be uh, 2004s. And then you wow. have a phase two draft where you can actually grab, like, maybe a kid that's really good in the BC that's got a couple of years of juniors left. Or maybe grab a kid from out east from a prep school that, you know, maybe he's old, too old for the for the futures draft. So you build your team through the draft, and then uh, you know you're able to go out at a certain time, at a certain period, and and sign free agents as well from your camp. Um, you know, you, you basically start off with with your 40 man camp, and then out of that, that's how you build your roster really. Playoffs. And then there's a lot of trades and that Playoffs. along the way too. Which um, if kids are in high school, it's kind of you know, there's kind of a rule that you're not really supposed to be trading kids that are in high school, which for me makes sense. Mm-hmm. But if they're older kids that are able to move along, then, you know, you'll see some trades here and there. But, I mean, that's kind of the, the basis of, of how the teams are built. So there's, like, trades and draft picks and everything, just like the NHL. Yeah, I mean, structure and the model, really, of, you know, how the teams are built. And even the organizations are a lot closer, I would say, to, like, a pro hockey style than college because there is a draft and you know the schedule is you know a little different where you ha- you could have a three and three on the weekend where you play a friday saturday sunday or you know you you maybe play like we have four games next week so it's wow. just the whole the whole setup of how the league is really designed is based off of you know the american league or the nhl and that's kind of how it works so how about playoffs playoffs the pl- <laughs> the playoffs actually they they change pretty frequently with, you know, what the, I guess what the owners really vote on. I think last year, and I believe this year too, I think the first couple of rounds are uh, best of five. 
Okay. And then you go into uh, to a best of seven, unless they might have this year changed it to a best of five as well in the last round. But um, I think every year they kind of figure out what they can do to make the league, you know, what what makes sense for all the owners and, and the kids and, and all that stuff. So um, just because of the wide, you know, range of where these teams are located, if, if you're playing like a five game set, say, and you're and it, you're in Fargo, South Dakota, or I guess it's, it's North Dakota, and you're going to, and you got to go play Youngstown, Ohio. I mean, it doesn't make a ton of sense. The, the owners would say to, you play two there, and then you have to come back and play two like maybe a day later. You know, that far away is tough for for teams to do. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. I never really uh, got too involved in the in, in the league, and it seems like it's it, none of the guys get paid, right? Because they're trying to go no. to college and stuff like that. <clears throat> yeah, the only guys here that are either committed to colleges or, or want to get college commitments are guys that uh, teams might have had protected that played major junior. And for whatever reason, uh, if it's an import or maybe somewhere along the way something happened, that then maybe they'll come back and they'll play in the league. Like I would say there's a decent amount of teams that have guys that had played or had major junior uh, experience. So who's a standout guy playing on your team right now? People might want to uh, so we've got Bob we've got Bobby Brink. He right now is you know, he's projected potential first rounder. He's uh I'm trying to think what his stat lines. He he played for that World Junior A Challenge team and got MVP for the US and and then he got hurt and sat out a bit for us. So he's only played I think like twenty one games, but he has like thirty nine points, seventeen goals. He's a big name guy for us and then uh Martin Pospisil played in the world he actually played in the uh, U20, the world uh, world championship there for for Slovakia, and I think he's got like around 45 points for us in 33 games. He's a fourth round draft pick at Calgary. Nice. So those those are kind of our two our two big forwards up front, and then we have a kid from Finland that's really good too. That's uh, projected to go here in the draft. So I mean that's kind of the neatest thing about the league is there's a lot of kids that. You know, they're at that age where they're, you know, they could have a couple of years with you where they're draft eligible. So mm-hmm. to see, you know, that side of it is, is kind of something I haven't been part of throughout my, my career, really. So that's been pretty neat. Um, but I think right now we might have like six guys on central scouting. So, I mean, just that's pretty good. It's exciting to kind of to see what will happen with those guys. Yeah, I mean, you were you were right on uh, Mark there with the uh, stats with those players, um, forty three and thirty nine. Um, the USHL is kind of like you know the America's league, you know, and then you got the OHL in Canada. Um, OHL is much older, but the USHL is really gaining traction and really you know producing top notch players that go right into college level, um, you know, big name college level teams and produce and um you know you go down a roster on some of these big um teams like bu or denver or wisconsin and most of them are ushl players so the ushl is getting really big um you know producing these players yeah for sure i think you know over the last i want to say five years it's just been you know it's attracted more of the top kids from the east you know that maybe would have played like back in i mean guess when i was playing like the ej or or the AJ out, out in, you know, the New England area or even closer to home, maybe in the CJ or the OJ. And 
a lot of those kids, even like the Canadians from the East are coming out to play in the league. Cause it's just, I mean, it's done a pretty good job, uh, you know, getting guys ready, not only for their draft year, but also to, to go on to college. And I think, you know, a lot of the top teams, like you, like you'd mentioned, um, you know, in college hockey, have a lot of guys from this league. Yeah. And, uh, like, I think a big part of it is just the amount of games you play. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's, it's treated, you know, like a pretty good development league for these guys and they get a lot of attention. So, um, it's definitely good for, I think, U.S. hockey and, and the league in general. And, and then obviously, you know, you have the national program that plays in the league too. And that's a whole different story. But I mean, they've got some pretty impressive players. So, yeah. Is your, is USA hockey involved in the league at all? Yeah, it is. I, I mean, I think it's actually over, kind of overseen by USA Hockey. Mm-hmm. Like, like, it's all, it's a sanctioned league by USA Hockey. Uh-huh. Gotcha. Figured they'd have their hands in so, it somehow. <laughs> they de- yeah, yeah, they definitely do. And I think, uh, you know, having having the national development team in it, sometimes it's 17, sometimes it's 18, and, you know, sometimes it's a mix depending on what international tournaments they have going on. Yeah. yeah so, so Ryan, yeah, I was just kind of curious. You've had, you know, your kind of path to where you're at. It's been kind of like one stepping stone after the other. So, what's the goal, man? At the end of the day, like, where, where, like, where's uh, the dream job of the future? Like, where do you, where do you see yourself wanting to be as the end game, basically? I mean, I'd really like to get, you know, back into college and Division One level as a, as a, as an assistant. You know, I just, I think there's a lot of great people in our college game, and you know. We've got a, even a even a lot you know from Canton that are that are in the game right now at that level, and uh, it's it's great to be able to talk to those guys about you know, how things are going and you know what they what they'd like to see change and what they really like and I you know it's the best part about that is you know you have you kind of, you combine the academic piece as well and uh, sure. I mean it's kind of it is kind of cool to have that too because you're kind of you're involved in you know the, the kids' whole lives are the student athletes whole life um aside from hockey like here we have a little i mean we're involved in their high school a little bit like making sure the colleges get their transcripts and their and their uh you know test scores and that but i think you're a little more involved with college like with the class schedules and that stuff so i just remember like being at st lawrence like that was a big part of it too so uh, i just enjoyed you know hearing uh, obviously the hockey's you know top notch but being able to hear you know kids that do really well in school and go on to get these jobs after if they're not, you know, fortunate enough to, to play pro. And uh, it's just, it's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Following the Flanagan footsteps and the rest of the camp boys that are coaching college hockey, it'd be pretty cool. So it seems like your, uh, your suitcase, suitcase is pretty much packed all the time right now. Do you have any plans of getting back up to the North country uh, once the season's over? Yeah, I actually, uh, I haven't been back since the beginning of August. I was there shortly when we finished in Binghamton, I went on to do some camps and then I got, got back to Canton for a little bit, basically to pack. And then, uh, I came. Yeah, exactly. So I didn't make it back for Christmas, but, um, I'm hoping, you know, once the draft is over early May, I can make it back out. I mean, it's a pretty good, pretty good trek. I took it, took it in two days. Uh, you know, it's, it's not too bad after talking to Mark about his, like, <laughs> yeah. adventure to Alaska. So, uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, May, I can make it back to Canton. That'd be awesome. I guess we'll see what happens between now and then. Who knows? <laughs> nice. 
Nice, man. Well, thanks for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. And it's good to see a, a local guy doing good things. And, um, you know, we've been following all the local guys in the hockey world. And, you know, it's good to get to talk to you and see what's going on. And uh, it's been great having you on the show. Absolutely, guys. My pleasure to come on. I appreciate you having me. Thanks for yeah, sharing thanks. the story. Yeah. Good luck, Ryan. For sure. Thanks, thanks man. guys. Take it easy. Ryan DeRocher coming in from Iowa. That's uh, another Canton boy. You know, it's nice to get another guy from the Canton NoCo area on the show doing yeah. good things out there. Yeah, but what you're saying, Mark, with the, you know, St. Lawrence County, upstate New York, there's a lot of um, players that continue to be involved in hockey some way or another after their career's over. And um, like I said before, I mean, there's – if you're in our little hometown of Canton, New York, someone knows somebody, you know, NHL player, college player. You go down to the stadium sports bar and um, everyone's talking hockey. And there's probably in the summertime, there's probably two or three coaches and maybe two college players and a possible NHL player in the bar. So um, St. Lawrence County has a lot of um, hockey you know, people that just that—that's what they do. It's just they're all—they will always be in the hockey realm somehow, some way or another. Yeah, and just on the show, you know, we had Jimmy Howard and Magosian and um, you know Greenway and Flanagan, the coach at Cornell, and you know Mark up in Alaska, you know, and Ryan tonight. I mean, that's just a, off the top of my head of people we've had on from our area, and uh, you know, I know I'm missing some people, but. You know, it's good to see local people. Uh, we're from a very small town in upstate New York to be able to put their uh, stamp on, on hockey wherever they end up and, you know, represent our area and, and uh, get to see where they're at. So good stuff, boys. Definitely. All right, fellas. Good uh, get an interview there. Let's uh, get into a little hockey talk. And tonight's first intermission report is sponsored, brought to you by. Ever wonder why hockey sticks cost so damn much? What makes them so expensive? The carbon? The tooling? Nope, it's the marketing. Sponsoring those pros, buying advertising, it adds up, and you pay for all of it. So the guys at ARC Hockey started ARC to make state-of-the-art sticks that don't cost a car payment. And while their sticks are handmade of 100% high-quality carbon fiber in the same factories as the big brands, they are bringing them directly to you from the only place you can find them, archhockey.com. No pros, no middlemen, no endorsement contracts to pay for, just guys like you who love hockey. So check them out at archhockey.com. That's A-R-C hockey.com. All right, guys, uh, a lot of controversy now um, in the league right now. What's going on with the Carolina Hurricanes in their their oh, game? Their post game celebration bullshit—that's uh, <laughs> getting a lot of a lot of attention. Childish, world. childish. Whether people like it or hate it, they're definitely driving the media narrative um, on NHL Network and, and ESPN and all the other networks. So they're definitely getting their media um, time out of it. That's for sure. But Pat, yeah, you I remember, talk a little bit about it. I remember last week when. I said something about it, and Rob was like, well, you're talking about it. So <laughs> they are doing something right, I guess. I, I'm a, I'm on the uh, – I don't like it at all, to be honest with you. And, um, it, Bunch it, of jerks. 
Yeah, it turned out to be a big thing with the uh, um, Don Cherry on Hockey Night in Canada. He's like a big, uh, for the people who don't know who he is, who live under a rock or in Get a cave. A <laughs> He's like a big old-time guy that does Hockey Night in Canada. And uh, he called everyone a bunch of jerks. He's old school, doesn't like it. I think Brian Burke actually doesn't like it either. He's another old school guy. He's a GM. And um, he called him a bunch of jerks. So what Carolina's doing, Carolina Hurricanes, are after each game, they're actually like, they're doing a little skit after the game. Sometimes they do Duck, Duck, Goose. They did like Home Run Derby was their last one. Um, they did bowling with the hockey helmet. And um, bunch of jerks. Kind of get the <laughs> crowd involved into it. And um, you, like Mark said, you're either on one side or the other. I'm on the side that there's, I don't like it in the NHL. Go do that in soccer or somewhere else. Um, the only reason I say that is just because I picture myself in someone's skates that night. And I, I wouldn't feel right doing it. So I would say, you know, I'd be kind of embarrassed, to be honest with you. You, so, need, to, you need to mention, too, that they do it whether they win or lose. Yeah, you know? right. It's a fucking circus. What do you guys They really do it when they won. Well, is um, you know, it? Right I don't know. No, they do it whether they win or lose. It, yeah, I don't know. That's what makes it even I, I mean, it's stupid, I stupid enough if you win. I mean, but uh, <laughs> it's just... Whether you win or lose, you're out there. We lost. Let's do a little celebration. I mean, how fucking stupid. Yeah, I'm with Pat and the old school guys. Um, Would you say, Rob? The focus seems to be in the wrong place. I mean, I, I get they're trying to get all this talk. I mean, they're getting us to have the conversation. I just think if I, if I lose a game, uh, um, you know, it's tough to not be focused on how I just lost that game. Um, I, I don't know. The hell so for, for me, I'm going to take the other side of this uh, conversation and, and say that I don't mind it. I think that it's, you know, it's building team camaraderie with these guys. Uh, they're not, they're not, uh, you know, they're not one of these teams that are winning every night. Um, it's kind of helping keep the glue together in Carolina and uh, keep that team together as a, as a tight unit. And if they do a little bit of a celebration after and it, it boosts the morale of the fans in the stands and, you know, gives the team a, a little bit of uh, something fun to do after the game, um, you know, I think it's good for their organization. I don't see too many of the players coming out against it and saying, I hate doing this shit every night. This makes me feel like a retard when I'm playing Duck, Duck, Goose. Um, but, <laughs> you know, that's kind of where I'm coming from. If, if I players coming out and think it's ridiculous, I mean, it'd be a different story. You've always been a fan of a tight unit, so we're not surprised. <laughs> you know, and it, it just kind of occurred to me while you were saying that, that these guys, you know, back in the day, they used to go to the bar and get, you know, build camaraderie that way. And they, I don't, I don't believe they're, they're doing that these days. So I think they're just coming up with new ways to, you know, build that camaraderie. I, like I said, I don't personally get it, but, um, you know, it's a new game. New, these are younger kids. Uh, it's new shit. Yeah, I, I just, like I said, I picture myself there after win, lose, or draw. Um, I don't see myself wanting to participate, even if we did beat the Tampa Bay Lightning on playing Duck, Duck, Goose. I just, I I don't think it, I'm, I might be old school like Don Cherry and Brian Burke, but 
I just don't see myself doing that. That's other sports, um, not hockey. Um, and I think we got into it last time, you know, majority of the people kind of want to get out of there after the game, right? The game's at start at seven o'clock. You're leaving about 10, 30, 11. And most normal people, you know, besides Rob and Derek work yeah. and, um, yeah. you know, we got to get to work in the morning. <laughs> aren't you surprised though, Pat and fuck off for that. But aren't you surprised that, uh, Rob Brindamore as a head coach allows that kind of stuff, the way he played the game and stuff. And he's old school too. Yeah. Knows. yeah. It's, it's, that's, I think that's one of the biggest surprises to me is that Rob Brindamore, uh, as a head coach allows that kind of stuff. But I guess, like you say, it's a different generation. Yeah. You gotta kind of, they're kind of snowflakey. So you gotta keep you, you can't be too rough <laughs> on them. Can't be too rough on those guys. You gotta let them have fun. And then go back and play some Xbox and Fortnite. Get prepared but, to day, but yeah, I think we talked about it last week, though. I mean, you know, football. I think Mark brought it up. Football does their their little skits when they score a touchdown, which is fine. It's almost impossible to score a touchdown in football. Um, soccer does it. Um, I don't know too many other sports that do things like that, um, but I don't know. I may. I think. I think. I don't think they're going to do it next year. Maybe they will. Do you think they'll do it next year? I don't. I hope they they get a little more creative. I mean, (laughs) hey, they they end up making the playoffs and going to a a playoff push for the cup. I think they do it next year. Playoffs. Playoffs. Yeah. Just. Just talking about playoffs. (laughs) Brindamore thinks this is bringing his team together and keeping his uh, team tight in the locker room. And then maybe that's why he doesn't come out and say something against it. And the only thing I can think of here is, is you know, like if you're in the workforce and your and your job makes you do team building shit, they do it for a reason. They try to bring people closer together, um, better relationships between players, shit like that. But other than that, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of it, but I can see what, why they might be doing it for fans and doing it for the, the morale of the team. But anyways, that's enough enough talk about that fucking bullshit. Let's, let's move on. Jerks. Bunch of jerks. Bunch of jerks making us talk about this bullshit for 10 minutes. So we do have a, a pretty big game coming up in um, in Philadelphia with the outdoor game against the Flyers and the Penguins. Stadium and, series. You know, no matter who plays in that game, um, it's always the biggest stage of, of the NHL besides the playoffs. And, um They've done a great job. I mean, the way they transfer transfer these NFL uh, stadiums into, you know, just magnificent rinks is, is a pretty cool thing. And I love how they do the thing when you watch the game and they fast forward from the start to the finish of putting the rinks together and all the bullshit decorations around it. Um, it's pretty impressive how they do it. I don't know what the yeah. weather's supposed to be like. Anybody here? I, I don't know, but I, I did see that on Twitter, Mark, where they kind of did the slow-mo of uh, transformation of – uh, Lincoln Field. It's in Philadelphia this year. Um, it's Wednesday night, seven thirty. Blackhawks versus the. Uh, no, it's uh, Philly, I'm on a, Philly. Yeah, Philly and Penguins at Lincoln Field in uh, Philly. But they did like a slow transformation of building the arena, which was kind of cool. I like seeing that. And um, yeah, it's going to be a pretty cool game outside the lights. And Mark, you know a little bit about Philly. You played pro lacrosse down there, and uh, Philly fans. Um, it's a pretty big rivalry. Yeah, I mean, it's a big rival in, in the NHL, but also Philly fans in general, anybody that's been to any kind of Philly sporting event, they're definitely a, a different breed, kind of like we talked about with Buffalo. Um, if you go to a, 
Eagles game, man. You just you don't want to be wearing the jersey of the other team. You're going to get spit on, beer thrown on. At the old stadium, they used to have a freaking court and a jail in the in the goddamn stadium. Before <laughs> that's, they, like, that's like Buffalo. At the vet. When they had the vet before they blew it up, they actually had a court with a judge and a fucking jail there for all the fights they had to stand. So, I mean, these fans are, are pretty rowdy um, at all their events. I mean, it's just kind of like the nature of these Philly fans. And being a – we used to play in the Colby Arena. I don't know what it's called now, Spectrum or Comcast or something, um, uh, where the Flyers play. And we always had a, a lot of nutty fans dressed up in, you know, face paint and, uh, you know, hard hats and all that shit. So they're pretty diehard. We should see some um, – see some pretty, pretty good – fanfare at this at this event i think i think i just saw something that it it could be raining in icy conditions for the uh stadium series game in philadelphia so that's tough that's tough that's, that's tough. not good not a good combo yeah, the other game earlier this year had perfect conditions i guess it was overcast the, the temperature was good and it was overcast and i guess the sun can be a big part you know with the glare so the first game had perfect conditions. We'll see what happens this time. To gamble. Yeah, it's always good for the game, you know, to pack those houses and uh, pack those football stadiums. And it's just kind of, you know, throws a wrench into the NHL season. You know, they have the uh, – what state – would they have the – they had a game at Notre Dame, right? The yeah. Winter Classic. Winter Classic, and then yeah. they do the stadium series. So it's good to break the season up. Um I like it. I get excited yeah, for play, it. It's a, it's a long season. You know, it's kind of like baseball. You know, you play so many games and it's hard to, even as like the biggest fans of hockey, like we are, you know, you, you don't, it's hard to follow, you know, day in and day out with all the games that are played. So it's, it's nice. It's, yeah, it's smart on the NHL's part. You know what I mean? To do this, to, you know, draw attention to a, a specific game and kind of break up the monotony of a long season. So pretty smart marketing move for sure. And they're only separated by, Seven, I think it's seven or eight points in the Eastern Conference, those two teams. And that's, I mean, this time of year, a couple of points is huge for anybody. So, Yeah, it is big. Yeah, I think Carter Hart got his first loss. Was it last night? I think last night, the first one in eight or nine games. So um, let's see what happens with the Philly goalies in the next, you know, couple of weeks here. But yeah, we knew it was going to happen. Speaking of the Philly goalies, they just picked up what? Cam Talbot. They got Mike McKenna. Carter Hart. Um, McKenna's out on waivers. Yeah, so, I mean, they're really, like, beefing up on their goaltenders. I mean, I – Yeah, I'm surprised that with a young guy like Carter Hart that they picked up Talbot. I was surprised at that move. They must not have enough confidence in him. I don't know why, because he just won eight games or eight or nine games in a row. So, I was surprised. Yeah, always, good, always good to have a veteran, though, behind a guy like that. I mean, Talbot's played a lot of games. He's a good goaltender, so it's – Never a bad idea, I don't think, to have a a veteran savvy goaltender to work with a young guy like that. So yeah, yeah, definitely. And right now, so the Flyers have Carter Hart, Brian Elliott, Cam Talbot, Mike McKenna, and then some other guy, Michael Nuverith, Um, Four guys, but like Rob was saying, Mike McKenna's on waivers now. So um, Mike McKenna's been on to the uh, Blue Line Hockey Club podcast. I think he was. Where was he, boys? He was. Go, he's going from somewhere to Ottawa. Yep. And then he Same. went from Ottawa to Philly. Dallas. It was Dallas. Dallas. Yeah, Dallas. So Dallas to Philly. 
No, Dallas to Ottawa, Ottawa to Philly, and now he's going to be going somewhere else here. All in what? Six months? Don't get too cozy anywhere. God, don't even unpack. Jesus. But uh, yeah, that's that's kind of crazy that they're beefing up. They're, I guess you know it takes two goalies to win the Stanley Cup. Um, you know, all these teams that go deep into the NHL playoffs, they don't have just one goalie. I mean, you got to rotate goalies. Um, you know, every three games, um, it's rough. It's up and down. I don't even got to. Exp- I don't have to explain it. It's just. You need two top goalies, and, you know, Philly seems to be trying to get that portion of their roster filled and then building off that. And I, I also see that um, – what's the uh, black guy on the team there? Wayne Simmons, he's looking – they're looking to trade him. Um, San Jose's kind of interested in picking him up. Um, but, yeah. Well – Carter, like I just like I just said a few minutes ago, though. I mean, the kid's twenty years old. You know what I mean? It's not like it's not like he's established. So bringing in some guys, especially like a Cam Talbot. Talbot played for the Rangers. I actually liked him uh, back in the day. But he, uh, it, I don't. It's always a smart idea with a young young guy is going to go through some peaks and valleys too. So you got to have some kind of you know steady Eddie behind him that's had experience in the league. So. That's yeah, probably he, what's behind all. That's what's behind all that, man. He's this is a young, this is a kid. You know, what I mean, he's a literally a kid playing in the league, and he's had a lot of success. But you got to have somebody behind him that's got experience. Yeah, and he got pulled the other night too. So yeah, um, I think it was last night actually he got pulled. So yeah, he they they need someone to back him up, but he is going to be the future of their goaltending. But they need someone to, you he, know, he looks to be. Yeah, he looks to be for sure get them over that hump and get them into playoffs and, you know, share time with Carter in order to win the cup. I mean, you just need, you need more than one. You need one, two good goalies to go deep into playoffs. No doubt. All right. Well, boys, that's, uh, you know, we have one more thing I want to talk about quickly before we get into some some more sports. We have uh, the women's rivalry series, USA versus Canada. Um, just touch on that briefly. That was kind of cool. Um, you know, the, the women seem to keep playing even when it's not a World Cup game or, or an Olympic event. So that was kind of cool to see those two teams clash in the last couple of weeks, the best out of three series. Um, I don't know if you guys caught it, but it was pretty rough, um, you know, for women's hockey. I didn't realize how rough that could be is uh, face washing and hits and rubbing people out. And yeah, it was pretty cool. Pat, did you uh, catch the final game? I didn't catch the game, but Canada won um, two to one over USA. Um, I don't even know what the score was, to be honest with you, but uh, I think it was like two nothing. But it is good, good to get that going. Promote women's hockey. Um, you know, kind of break the season up a little bit. They don't get much attention with their pro leagues. Um, both in Canada and the United States. So throwing that in there kind of gets people involved in women's hockey. Um, But, yeah, I I didn't catch too much of it. I think it caught a little bit of the first game. It was pretty rough that first game, Um, a lot of body checks going on, and those girls had a lot of of cat fights in front of the net. Um, (laughs) Did you get the final score? 
you know the final score on that, Pete? Well, Pete's looking that up. But, uh, in the finale, it was 2 nothing. 2 nothing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, just to touch on that while we're talking about girls hockey real quick, I was watching a wild game last night, and I was just amazed. Like In between periods, they were talking um, about uh, women's high school hockey and about their playoffs that are starting and, and you know getting into their state championship game. And it was just like to see on a, a NHL game during intermission and throughout the game, them talking about before the game intermission, um, high school hockey for women. And I was thinking about it, you know, we were all on state championship teams. That would have been cool to be talked about during the Rangers game. <laughs> but, you know, that we were talked about in Channel 7 maybe, but, you know, hardly. <laughs> it's that, yeah. But, you know, that's yeah. like the, the state of hockey and um, in Minnesota that they actually, you know, from high school up through, man, they're talking about that shit on a big uh, media scale out there. And that's it's good to see. I mean, that's good for women's hockey out there, and it's good for hockey in general. So I was surprised. It's, Listen, man, women's hockey's it's top-notch now, man. It's, we shouldn't try to slight them at all, man. It's, they're, it's legit. It's a legit game. They're playing uh, high-level hockey nowadays, and it's fun to watch. It was good goaltending. A lot of good goaltending by Canada in that. They shut them down defensively. U.S. had a hard time getting any offensive uh, play going, any rhythm really going offensively. So it was. Uh, I watched a couple of the games. It was. It was just like. Uh, it was almost like the U.S. had their Canada had like a game plan to kind of lock them down defensively, and USA just couldn't really generate goals. So. Um, it was it was pretty cool, man. I, I enjoy watching women's hockey. I really do. It's uh, especially I have a do young daughter now, so I look forward to uh, watching her grow up and hopefully maybe play hockey. But the game has come so far; it's really encouraging. Yeah, definitely. It's good good for the sport for sure. Yeah, and the, and the women's hockey, like back when we were in high school, nineties, late nineties, is kind of when it started to transform into something bigger. And even in Minnesota, they talked about the the nineteen ninety five was like when it was their first big championship game that they were talking about you know so from since then till now is the sport has just blown up yeah no doubt oh, what do we get when we were in the states all we got from mel buster was that's it for this week <laughs> hey mark real quick though uh we were talking about detroit chicago uh jimmy howard getting yanked for nothing uh they're back 4-4 right now going into overtime they tied wow. they tied it up Nice. Yeah, it's too bad. It's too bad he's not in there. Hopefully they get to win. Well, fellas, um, let's get into our second intermission report. And this uh, this segment is brought to you by. All right, we're back, and it's that time again. Maddie's back. He's back. He's back again. Love it. Maddie B. Maddie B. Love it. What's going on tonight, Maddie? Uh, back at home, uh, weather was atrocious, but we made it. We survived, so we're here. Why is it snowing down in New York City? It's snowing. It's sleeting. It's you know, it's shit. But you know, again, we're here, so that's all that matters. There you all go. Right. All right. Well, Matty B is here to give us an update on what's going on in this week in sports, and let's hear it, buddy. All right, fellas. A lot of stuff going on this past week. Um, in the AAF, it's the second week of that. Saturday's actually had Birmingham defeating Salt Lake 12 to 9, Arizona defeating Memphis 20 to 18. Sunday's action has Orlando over San Antonio 37 to 29, San Diego doubled up Atlanta 24 to 24 to 12, excuse me. 
Uh, last week, some people want to know about notable players. There's a couple I came up with. we got Josh Johnson. He suited up for the Washington Redskins in the 2018 season. Trent Richardson, we all know him. He was a bust. He was uh, the third overall pick in the 2012 draft, uh, Alabama stud. Garbage. Yeah, he, he didn't turn out <laughs> to be much of anything at all. Uh, in the NFL, though, Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed they reached a settlement with the NFL under the condition of signing a confidentiality agreement. Um, obviously, we'll never know uh, the value of that agreement, that settlement, um, you know, what the NFL knew, what they didn't know. But obviously, they're dirty to some degree. They knew something. They didn't want that getting out for sure. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers running back Le'Veon Bell will not be franchise tagged by the Steelers this year. With Antonio Brown demanding a trade as well, the Steelers are looking to reload a fresh drama-free 2019 campaign. In MLB news, Manny Machado signed a $300 million deal. Bryce Harper, the other uh, free agent that uh, is coveted by everyone, he remains unsigned, and he's turned down numerous $300 million contracts. Uh, the Philadelphia Phillies and the San Francisco Giants appear to be the front runners for Bryce Harper. Um, again, that's big money to turn down multiple teams. He's obviously got a destination in mind. You see the, Yan you see the Yankees were after him, Matty uh, Machado? The Yankees were after Machado. They offered him $240 million. Uh, I think over eight years. I'm not positive. He wanted to tag. How do the Yankees have to dole out? Holy shit. I, I mean, both these guys were – both. sorry, Derek. Both these guys were seeking $400 million contracts. Holy oh, fuck. To play baseball. <laughs> to play baseball. You know, there's – who was it? Albert Pujols signed a 10-year deal, you know, maybe five, six years ago. He, he performed well for two or three years, and then – you know, it's backloaded, and, you know, no team wants to get stuck with a player for 10 years. You just don't know what they're going to produce after three, four start, years. Start tomorrow morning. I'm taping a bat to Hudson's hand. Yeah, really. <laughs> uh, what do we have here? We've got uh, J.B. Holmes. He shot a 1,400 par with the, at the Genesis Open at the Rio Vera Golf Course. He won that. Uh, this week has the Puerto Rico Open beginning February 21st with a $3 million purse. Uh, cut points leaders are Schofel, Kucher, Woodland, Leishman, and Howell. In the NBA, they had the All-Star game this past weekend. Uh, LeBron's All-Stars trailed at the half, but were able to come back uh, to, win the game, to win the game okay. over the Greek Freak All-Stars. He got uh, 178 to 164. <laughs> no defense, no hint of defense, no desire for defense. Didn't turn that game like a hundred? <laughs> I didn't don't know, yeah. Mark, I don't know about dunks, but they had uh, set records for uh, both three-point uh, field goal attempts and three-point field goals made. And they jacked <laughs> over ninety, jacked up over ninety of them during the course of the wow. game. Wow! Uh, men's college basketball: Syracuse Orange defeated number eighteen Louisville Cardinals at the Dome in Syracuse, sixty-nine to forty-nine. And right. the Blue Devils take on the Zion Williams. Uh, less. Because he blew his knee apparently in the first half of this game. Stay tuned for more information on that. Tonight he did. Uh, he went down with an injury 30 seconds into the game. Oh, that's tonight. He he jumped right out of his shoe. Um, uh, no report at all. I think they're keeping that under wraps. But uh, you know, people are saying that's the biggest rivalry in sports—not collegiate, but all of sports. Period. Oh, there's uh, been people driving around North Carolina today with flags everywhere. It's huge down here. I'm sure it is. Right, it's dope. I'm a Michigan, you know, Ohio State fan myself, but uh, you can't deny the Duke UNC you know, rivalry. It's, it's, you know, it's unprecedented. No. Um, in women's Division One hockey, we got Wisconsin leapfrogging Minnesota to grab the top spot. Northeastern remains at number three. 
new to the top five is Cornell at number four, and the Clarkson Golden Knights round out the top five teams in the nation. Hey. In men's Arson. Division One hockey, we got St. Cloud State remaining firm at number one in the country. UMass jumps back up to number two. Zoomass. Zoomass anymore, they say. Minnesota Duluth. There. <laughs> <laughs> Minnesota Duluth climbs one spot to number three. Minnesota State sits at four. And new to the top five is Quinnipiac. So that's what we got around the world in sports, fellas. That man, Manny Machado, I mean, that breaks down to like $2.7 million a month. That's it? <laughs> I like it. Um, break it down to. How many bats? How much do they get paid? Oh, yeah, what I see, I, I saw one time A Rod when he signed his three hundred million dollar contract. It was something like every time he swings the bat, it's like a thirty thousand dollar swing. Yeah, strike not, ball doesn't matter. I heard it was like every pitch he saw, he he didn't have to swing or he could just stand there. But based <laughs> on how many times he was up to bat in a in a game, it was two hundred fifty thousand dollars every time a ball went past him. So he could swing. Or he didn't have to, but he's making two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. That is just stupid money. <laughs> it's like when do you get to the point where enough's enough? I mean, it, we see it when back when A. Rod signed his contract, we thought that was just crazy twenty four million dollars a year or whatever it was, and it just seems like the next one's just bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, and they were saying something about today, you know, with Manny Machado signing that contract. You know, um, who's the uh, not Bryce Harper, the uh, other slugger for um, the Angels. Um, Pujols? No. Anyways, if if Machado's worth three hundred, Trout, yeah, Mike Trout. If, mm. if Machado's worth three hundred thousand, um, if Machado's worth three hundred thousand, Trout million. Yeah, billion dollars or something. <laughs> <laughs> I think Manny Machado, the fifteenth, is going to be okay in life. Yeah, well, I think you know, Like I said, you guys, they're chasing that $400 million mark, you know, just trying to get to that next level, that next level, that next level. But just like in the NFL, there's these owners, there's collusion. You know, they're sitting at a table, a round table, all these big wigs, and they're saying, if you don't pay them, I won't pay them, we won't pay them. And, you know, there's your cap right there. So maybe two or three years ago, they would have got $400 million. But I, I think because, you know, you have to have an end game somewhere. And I think finally these owners are kind of sitting down and saying, listen, enough is enough. So regardless of the skill, regardless of their worth, it's just like we said a minute ago, how, how much money can you get paid to look at a ball come down an alley? It's, it's ridiculous. So. <laughs> Two sunflower seeds, yeah. Beer is going to cost $35 at a game. Yeah, Jesus Christ. We got Where's some we got some trades coming in here. I see Charlie Coyle has been traded from the Minnesota Wild to the Boston Bruins. He got traded for Ryan Donato in the late draft pick this upcoming draft. Um, I think I might have said that last podcast. He was the only one worth trading for. Um, he's becoming a free agent here in July, July 1st. So um, I thought they would get more for him. Um, that's the only reason I thought they would trade him away. I thought they would get, you know, a couple, two guys and maybe a late draft pick, but they got Ryan Donato. Uh, he's a young gun for Boston, came from Harvard. Um, I don't know. I, I, th I think I was talking to Rob earlier in the podcast. I think I would have kept him, honestly. I don't think that was a good deal at all for Minnesota. I think uh, Boston got the deal that deal out of that one. Yeah, they, they lost some size there. Coyle is a big guy. Um, Ryan Donato is a more of a new-aged hockey player. 
um, where Coyle is, you know, if you saw him last night, he was interviewed in between periods with um, like a fucking underarm on. He's a massive guy. Um, where Donato, he's just, you know, like I said, one of these new age players that's not going to be able to grind in the corners like uh, some of these bigger guys. So I think they'll lose that, lose that battle in the corners. Um, but Ryan Donato, we've we've seen him play in the Olympics. We've seen him play in the World Juniors. Um, he has been able to make plays. I I thought he was a great player in the Olympics. He was one of their best players on the team um, by far. So he's got a lot of potential. He got sent down last year. Um, actually, this year he got sent down at the beginning of the season. They brought him back up. So he hasn't really performed. But if you do remember at the end of last season, I think he had a goal in his first game, and he had multiple goals in the seven games he played. So uh, at the end of last season, he was playing really well this year. Um, he's He's fell off a little bit, but he is young. He's got a lot of potential, so they do have that going for him. They, yeah, overall, Minnesota, there's a lot of upside there. Minnesota's one of the oldest teams in the league, so you know to bring some youth in, maybe that's what they're thinking there. I'm not really sure. Yeah, you know, I don't know. There's a bunch of trade trade talks going on. Duchesne might leave Ottawa. Um, I think they were saying something of. Uh, I forget where he was going. I th- oh, Winnipeg, uh, Nashville, Columbus, uh, Montreal. Montreal was interested in him. A lot of the talks was that you know why would why would they trade Duchesne to Montreal when Ottawa's got a face, got a face. Um, <laughs> what was that? Are you having a flood over there? Why? Um, why would they tr- why would they trade Duchesne to um uh Montreal when they gotta face him, you know, three, four times out of the season and he can produce. So that wouldn't make sense, but um they were saying who gives a shit, you know, if they get something better. They actually were thinking they might get the Domi boy, Max Domi, so that'd be a good yeah. trade. We'll yeah. see though. Trade deadlines Tuesday. Yeah, trade the deadlines Tuesday. And like you said, Pat, one of the big things about this trade deadline is who do they have coming up as uh, UF, UFAs, unrestricted free agents. And that's uh, what the GMs are looking at. Who's going to be an unrestricted free agent July 1st? And can we get something now before before they you know become free agents? So uh, with the talk with uh, Duchesne, also we have Dezingle and Stone, who are also going to be unrestricted free agents, too, that could be on that um getting traded from from Ottawa too. So they've got a lot of there's there's sellers up there in Ottawa and um, just to transition out of that some more sellers we have uh, the Rangers too. So they have um, Hayes and Zuccarello also going to be free agents for them um, and uh, Adam McQuaid. So those three guys could potentially one of them two of them could be traded out of, off the Rangers. I don't know who's going to be interested in them. I'm not really sure. I haven't heard a lot about it. Maybe you guys have. But those are three guys on the Rangers that are looking to possibly get traded too. Yeah. Also, all signs are pointing to Wayne Simmons exiting Philadelphia. Um, yeah. I know San Jose is interested in him, um, but I, I like him. Yeah, I like him. He's uh, he's going to be a free agent here up in uh, July too. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Jimmy Howard, another guy that's been on the podcast, local boy from where from, um, he's been on the trading block actually um some people have been talking about uh, edmonton looking to uh pick him up get him in there get some uh, veteran experience and we heard a little bit of a rumor about uh halsey from the devils might be 
getting dealt. I don't know if that's going to happen. That was just a rumor I saw on, online, but possibly going back to Edmonton. Going back to Edmonton. And the other yeah. one we talked about um, last week, and seems like even two weeks ago, we've been talking about the Columbus Blue Jackets. Oh, yeah, um, Panarin. Panarin and Bobrovsky. So yeah, big one. those are – I don't know who's who's going to pick them up either. I haven't heard too much of where they're looking to go, but like you Florida. talked about last week, they're trying to get the same agent, right, Pat? Yeah, they got the same agent now. Florida's really interested in them. Um, so that's what the rumors have been all over uh, the NHL network and on social media is that the uh, uh, Florida Panthers are really interested in those two. Nice weather down there. Fort Lauderdale, Columbus, Ohio. Sun City. Sun City. Yeah, I mean, Sunrise. Sunrise. You think about it, though, like, if you've watched the game, there's like 10 people in the fucking stand. So like, if you're looking at going to a team, it's like, oh man, I'm going to go to a game, play all my home games in front of basically oh empty seats. I mean, that's, that's frustrating as a player. You know, when you play at home, that's supposed to be your, you know, home field advantage, you know, where you get the crowd behind you. Um, it's frustrating to play um, in an empty arena. I, I had to do that when I was out playing in Anaheim and, you know, we struggled for fans and it blew, man. You'd go there, the place would be, you know, nearly empty you know, it's quiet the whole game. You know, that that kind of sucks. You weren't getting yeah. paid with these guys getting paid, though. And plus, you can wear flip-flops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there was there was the upside of it. But just in general, right, these guys are top-notch players. I mean, they're, they're not like uh, fourth-liners. I mean, where do they want to play? They want to play where they're going to win, or they want to play where, you know, they possibly might win in front of crowds. That kind of suck. I mean, I'd want to go to a team like, that's fucking nasty that fills. I mean, what's Minnesota's uh, track record of sellouts? I mean, what was it, 200 and some 280 games or something crazy they've sold out in a yeah. row? I mean, it, it all depends on what you produce as your team, how good your team is. I mean, look at Tampa. Rob lived in Tampa. You can t- touch on this a little bit, but Tampa sells out all the time. And you got yeah. Nikita Kucherov down there who's got, what, 90, 99 points? I mean, Stamkos, you got – these guys are on fire. I mean, they got, I think they're leading the Metropolitan Division by 15 points. Here we go. I, I think the markets are, are different, though. Tampa is, uh, I mean, I don't know how to classify Tampa, but there's, you know, the, they're a younger group of people, I think. And, you know, they seem to be northern implants, uh, hardcore base uh, of fans and supporters, you know, so. Um, I, I'm not sure the comparison between the two are even worth it. Are you saying Sunrise City is just Sun, a bunch of old, old Well, shit. I mean, the reality is where it, the, the, that location is, a lot of gray hairs, yes. It, it is touristy. That area is touristy, too. Yeah. Nice. What about, uh, you guys see Pierre Maguire almost get his head taken off by the podcast? He almost died. Holy, that was like I was talking to Mark the other day. I said, if that was like three inches inward, you know, it would have cracked him in the friggin' temple. He probably would have been laying on the ground shaking like a leaf. Oh, God. He didn't move either. No. Could have been, could have been really regrets. bad. Could have been very bad. Yeah, we're glad, glad you're all right, bud. I wonder if we see him with a fucking bucket on next week. <laughs> if he would have went out, we'd add Ken Coil in there, so replacing him. <laughs> Let him go. Let him go. 
I don't mind a little hot girl in between the benches, that's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I mean, it's going to be an exciting couple uh, couple days here before this trade deadline. I'm kind of excited to see. We didn't touch on um, Eric Stahl. He's another unrestricted free, guy, free agent guy from, from Minnesota. Um, what's going to happen with him? He's a you know veteran in the league, but like we said, with Minnesota being so old, they're going to try to get somebody else. It's got a little youth and uh, look for the future there. Um, so, so look for that trade possibly too. Can, um, can you can you get rid of an assistant captain in the middle of a season like that? You think? Yeah, you can get rid of a captain. Why not? If you get something for him, especially yeah. if he's coming as free agent. All right, Simmons. Just ask you. Simmons. Simmons wears the A in, in Philly, I believe. Yeah, he does. Huh. One other thing, uh, something came out today that Charlie McAvoy. Um, declined a uh, long-term extension with the Boston Bruins, which kind of surprised me. I guess he kind of wants to feel out the uh, free agent. I don't know. He'll be, a, vibes out. he'll be a restricted free agent. Am I the only one that lost him there? Yeah, I lost him too. I lost him. So, yeah, he'll be a restricted free agent, right, Pat? So he'll be uh, coming up. He declined. Um, Charlie McAvoy declined a long-term extension with the Boston Bruins, um, which surprised me. Um, I don't know. I guess he's looking looking for more money. Um, I thought he would stay right there, but uh, looks like he's going to test the, uh, test the waters. He's the money. Yeah, and you wonder, like, how much of that comes from him personally and how much comes from his agents, right? What are his agents telling him? Um, what are his agents hearing from other teams? And that might be talk, talking to the agent about, hey, we'll give him this much if he holds out or whatever. So who yeah. knows what's going on behind the scenes there. Yeah, uh, he's a defenseman, though, that can jump up in the offensive play, too. So those are uh, – he that might be a smart move because um, that's, like, a position that is highly, highly coveted, you know, a defenseman that can – uh, jump up and play, you know, jump up in the offensive play too. So that might be a, a good bet on himself that he'll have, he'll have a massive market if he can get, you know, two free agency of some kind. So that, that might be a smart plan by him. Yeah, that's definitely where it's going. If he stays healthy. That's, that's the way it's going though. You know, offense, defensive, or, you know, the ones getting paid now. You look at Seth Jones. He's a, he's a, he's a nasty player. Um, they're not growing on trees either, you know. I mean, they're not. It's not like they're easy to find, you know. So, yeah, Spurgeon, they're actually Spurgeon of Minnesota's on fire. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I'm, I'm not the only one with this, uh, you know, idea either. But uh, Dumba, you know, when when he got hurt, I I think that that was a significant loss for the Wild. That was power play points. That was that was just overall minutes on the ice. Um, a defenseman that was, um, what, third or top defenseman in the league, but on the team, first, you know. First in points or first in goals in the league when he went out as a defenseman. And, yes. You know, so, how do you take that away from a team? And now you got Koivu hurt too, which doesn't help. You know, they've got a couple of new guys in the lineup. You know, that's not helping their losing streak yep. here. The, the dynamics so. of, of what's uh, on the ice right now is going to be a, a battle, and that's not a good place to be in. Yeah, so you got like guys like Aberg and Rask and Hunt and, and these guys in the lineup now that just came in a week ago in the three quarters of the way through the season, so that fucks with the chemistry too. 
Well, well, guys, well, speaking of offensive defensemen, real quick, what about Brent Burns? Sixty-five points. Wow. Unreal. Huh? That is unreal. Unreal. He's not going he's, anywhere. No, he's not going anywhere. But he's—they got. Uh, they. I saw today the top um, defenseman point leaders in the NHL: Burns, Giordano, Riley, Carlson, and Latang. So all those players have fifty or more points. So. So let's. Let's before we end it here, Mark. Let's do a uh, quick uh, division. Everyone want to talk about your division here? Um, I'm in the Western Conference. I got the Central Division. Winnipeg's still on top. Nashville's right behind them with one point. Um, St. Louis has been the talk of the NHL lately. Um, they're on a 11 game winning streak. They're 10 and 0 in their last 10. 11 and 0 actually, their last 11 games. Um, so they're right up there. Um, Dallas, Chicago, Minnesota dropped down to sixth place, and Colorado's down there. It's pretty tight, though. Colorado's got 59 points. Minnesota's 60. Chicago's 61. Dallas is 63. And then the top three are 69, 75, and 76. So, um, like we said, Minnesota's on a, a really big slump. Um, they're 1, 6, and 3 in their last 10, not doing too well. Um, Chicago actually is eight and two. They've been uh, on fire along with St. Louis. So um, what I've been saying the last couple podcasts that the the top five are going to stay the same. You can take that and throw it right out the window. Um, it's changed significantly besides the top two teams. Again, that's Winnipeg and Nashville. I don't think we'll see them leave the top two out in the central. Did we talk about St. Louis this week yet? Did we mention that? No, we haven't, but I mean, they are on fire. 11 and 0. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't have saw that coming. I did see no. him play against Minnesota. They're, they're a good team. And Tarasenko is, is just a nasty player. He's really been pushing that team to win games. Yeah, they're on fire. Tar- Tarasenko had, what, uh, a 12 game uh, point streak, which is yes. pretty fucking good. Yeah, they're doing really good. Yeah, so I mean, oh, Ryan O'Reilly, Ryan O'Reilly, Ryan O'Reilly, who um, <laughs> came over from uh, Buffalo, he's been on fire too. He actually had what two points against the uh, Wild the other night, goal and assist. So he's on fire. David Perron, Pat Maroon, Tyler Bozak, um, they're getting mm-hmm. everybody. Tarasenko, so uh, they're on fire out there. So to uh, round out the Western Conference, uh, I'm watching the Pacific. And uh, to me, I I think what's most notable is not who's in first, but who's still in last. If you're not uh, first, you're (laughs) last. Los Angeles (laughs) is, you know, just awful this year. I'm not sure what to say. They're eighth, 52 points. I mean, Minus thirty nine differential, ouch, and and they haven't moved at all. I've got Anaheim who has ticked up, so Anaheim's on a I don't know how many game win streak right now, but they're doing pretty well. They moved up a notch. Edmonton has dropped down. Uh, Arizona is climbing. They're in fourth right now. Vegas is sitting at third. San Jose has uh, ticked up to second. And Calgary is still holding strong with 79 points in first place. So. Nice. 
Without, right. not, a lot, not a lot changing in the Metro, fellas. Islanders, the surprise team, still hanging on to the top spot, 76 points. But it's kind of uh, that division or that conference. Or the, I'm sorry, the division is not so spread out like other divisions are as far as points go because, I mean, it's only like a 16-point difference from seventh place to first place. So it's uh, it's kind of crazy. But there's not a lot of change in that. You got Islanders at number one, Washington, Pittsburgh, Columbus, Carolina, Philly. Um it's going to come down, you know, Columbus Derek, is going to... Derek, yeah. let, me, let me just stop you real quick to, to just point out that Trotz left the Washington Capitals for the Islanders, yeah. and, and now he's sitting in first in front of the Capitals. Yeah, burning them. Burning them. Let, let that sink in. I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, no, good good point, Rob. That's an excellent point. And, uh, yeah, so there's not a lot not a lot to, uh, to kind of update here. Um, it's a battle, obviously, more so for the wild card in that Eastern Conference, and it's probably going to come down to uh, Columbus and Montreal, maybe. Uh, Carolina's still fighting, hanging in there, but uh, we'll see. I, not a lot to update there. Rangers, Rangers, a bunch of jerks. And Rangers, Rangers still suck. They're just giving away every player they have for fifty cent pieces and uh, bag of so. pops. Bag of blocks in a seventh round draft pick. I think it's the last one I saw. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, let's get into the Atlantic real quick. Uh, like Derek said, it's not a lot that's changed there, but there was one significant change since last week where Boston has jumped up above uh, Toronto into the second spot. So Tampa Bay has just been in first all year, ninety six points, and uh, Boston is is in second with seventy eight, and Toronto right behind them with seventy six. So. The Boston has really picked it up, and I think since the last time we talked, I thought I thought the Habs were the team that were on fire that were going to be up where Boston is, but they actually have dropped, um, and they're in fourth with 71. So it's uh, every week I call it, I call it wrong, but it looks like uh, Boston has been coming on strong. Um, Toronto's fallen off a little bit. They had a couple losses this week, and then in the in the shithole is Buffalo, Florida, Detroit, and Ottawa down on the Buffalo. Yeah, so Ottawa's in the toilet, so they might be getting rid of uh, three of their best players to see how far down in the in the shitter they can go. Nice. That's it. That's it for the Atlantic guys. Uh, like I said, I mean, for the number one team in that league is 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 Tampa Bay, and it's been talk of the talk of the league all season. So I'm not even going to touch on it too much. They got it plus eighty <laughs> plus eighty point differential. I mean, Jesus Christ, that's crazy. Yeah, so, I was watching. I was watching a bit of one of their games the other night, and it was like five nothing in the first period. I was like, "Holy fuck, they're nasty!" You cannot oh, give them an inch because they will take no. it and go down and score. They're yeah, just, you turn over the puck. You turn over the puck in the neutral zone. You're in trouble. Yeah, every time. Yeah, it's, they say it's the hardest trophy to win in sports, but uh, they should be. They should be there this year, and if they don't, that's a major fucking epic fail. So. Uh, Great talk tonight, boys. It was uh, an exciting episode, and we hope to uh, – let's uh, pitch our hockey real quick. We'll do a quick uh, pitch for them. They uh, have their hockey stick, their official sponsor, Blue Line Hockey Club, and we've been using it in our men's leagues and stuff like that. It's been a great stick for me. Um, like I said, it hasn't improved my fucking game any, but um, anybody that has a little skill could probably do some great things with it. Um, stick's been made in the same manufacturers as the big dogs and for half the price, so if you're looking for a good stick – um, we're definitely supporting those guys. Yeah, don't go out and buy a two hundred dollar stick for men's league or the mitten league that Mark plays in. You can go on to Arcaki, 
buy a hundred dollar composite stick it's the same exact stick um just cheaper without so, the uh, name brand on it yeah so go ahead and go on to Arakaki and get one of their sticks very uh much cheaper yeah i was using a bower stick before and i actually don't see too much difference so um, wouldn't you know, our uh, composite <laughs> i wish i you know what i wish i would just go out and use a wooden stick and i had the balls to bring it in the locker room but i don't so i stay with a the composite they're so the much heavier than the sticks these days. yeah that's yeah, unbelievable but um good episode boys let's uh let's wrap this one up and we'll get on to uh, another exciting episode next week so until next time keep your stick on the ice hey ya Oh, doctor. Get up. Keep your head up. Love it.